Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm a 20-year veteran in the Force Service. I've worked as a ranger now for 12 years. My time and in all my time working for the government, I've never encountered anything out of the ordinary. That is until my last station job as a ranger at Gooseberry Falls State Park in Minnesota. It was quite possibly one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had while on duty and certainly not something I'll ever forget. Well, to explain how it happened, we need to go back about six months before that incident. I had been planning on retiring. My son had just graduated college and was looking to move closer to Minneapolis. So once he made the offer that he would work part-time with me while he looked for a full-time position, I decided to pass up retirement and stay on the job. By the way, I should make a note that this was all pre-covered. I had heard rumors of management positions opening up in the area. So after discussing it with him, we both agreed that he would come back home for around six months while I waited for the opportunity to present itself. I was first introduced to Gooseberry Falls State Park during my orientation as a ranger there, and they took us out into the park at nighttime. 
It was an amazing sight getting to see all these bright campfires down below from way above on top of the waterfalls. The rocks around the falls are very smooth and slippery due to years and years of erosion. You have to be careful if you want to climb down to view the falls at night. Our group had just finished our tour and was going to head back towards our cars when one of my co-workers, Tom, suggested that we climb down the falls, just you know for the sake of it. I agreed and we should have known better, and so did a handful of others who were nearby. As soon as we began climbing down, I sensed something wasn't right, but being fearless, I pushed those feelings aside as nothing more than nerves. It started out easy, everyone traveling downward in a single file behind each other, staying close and yet far enough apart for safety's sake. Then, around three quarters of the way down, things began to get a bit more dangerous. Tom fell. I didn't see him do it, but I heard the commotion. One of my other co-workers had seen what had happened, yelling up to us that he needed help getting Tom back up the rocks. Two guys rushed down to assist in whatever way they could, and while Tom was being helped back up, one of my female friends called out for help above him, saying she was slipping. It turns out that one part of the path she had been on had been walking, had gave way underneath and sent her tumbling downward. While this may have been scary in and of itself, what happened next could only be described as something straight from a horror movie. We're all standing there in shock at what had just happened when I heard the sound of movement. I looked up, and there at the top of the ridge was this figure with long dark hair watching me. It was terrifying. It was in all black and had these faint yellow glowing eyes. It was in that moment that I felt my entire body give way as if I suddenly lost control. The next thing I knew, I too was falling down to the grounds below me. Everybody rushed over to help save me, and one guy managed to grab hold of my hand while another wrapped his arms around one leg for whatever little good that did. They tried pulling me back up, but there was no use. I looked down below, and I could see there were people trying to help my friend, though they weren't having much success. I knew then that we were all going to die right here on these rocks if somebody didn't do something fast. That's why I remember the park ranger telling us about one of the waterfalls in this area called Lucifer Falls, which for some reason, nobody had ever been able to find after climbing down to view it at night. It was said that once you get close enough, you could hear voices, supposedly spirits, whispering your name from below. Now, what is most troubling about this story is not so much what happened to me and my co-workers, but what happened with Tom and the female friend, as they were being pulled back up to safety before either of them can make it out of the water completely. We noticed that their eyes had turned from their normal state into a solid black. It was like at this moment that my two co-workers realized that they were struggling with weren't actually Tom or the girl. I'll never forget hearing one of them scream as he pointed downwards towards whatever our friends had become. The other one, just before Tom and his girlfriend can pull themselves completely up onto the rocks, let go with both hands, jumping back down into the water below to avoid capture. We watched him swim off in the opposite direction, but by this time, there was nothing we could do to save him. We never did find out what happened to any of them after that day. I can only assume they were captured and are now being used as some sort of test subjects for whatever their reasons may be. Just looking at my own hands now, I can still see the long dark hair growing on them, like I saw that day. That's why I'm warning you all not to venture down this path at night. As a matter of fact, it might be best just to stay away from these woods entirely during nighttime hours like we should have. Whatever it is that inhabits these lands does not seem too keen on having people wandering around here at night. But if you are, be careful, for you may soon find the woods themselves can't tell the difference between friend and foe.
while in the middle of the Atlantic my ship in 1999 was followed by a ball of light. I was on the Snoopy team and rushed out to see this ball of light that at first we thought was the rare ball lightning. But this thing followed the ship for about eight nautical miles. It then flew up supersonic, not breaking the sound barrier. We lost sight of it till it just appeared on the port side and came across the flight deck. The captain was about to call general quarters, but it was almost like it sensed that we were getting nervous and it left. Shortly after we picked up some chatter from a Portuguese fishing ship that said a large firefly was bothering them. That was it on that occasion. We have always seen things flying above us, but they were not close enough to have any credible witness. We are treasure divers from Key West and we were out fishing late night or early morning. Everyone that has spent time on the water knows the witching hour on the sea is about 2 a.m. to 5.30. It was about 5 a.m. and with the sun coming up and the water gin clear, we could see our chumming was bringing some interesting critters to the surface. Some big sharks cruised by and different things too, but suddenly one of the guys screamed out. Look at the size of this manta ray on the port side. At the same time, another guy said, Wait, I can see him on starboard side too, and he is wider than the boat. He was too, over 18, 20 feet wide, and he lazily cruised under us and circled back again and again. The sea has many secrets, and she hasn't given up many of them despite what people and scientists claim. We know more about the moon than we do the deepest oceans and our seas. Recently, a friend told me she met people in the Southwest that claim extraterrestrials live in the deep ocean and have been there for a long time. They claim they're safe there because humans can't live and survive in the deepest oceans. My friend's brother works as firefighter in Korea, but he used to work as diving instructor. Near end of his college years, one of the jobs he took was diver, as in someone who dives to retrieve the bodies of drowned people. While he didn't get a lot of cases, I remember him telling me this one story about his experience. On this particular day, he was diving in a river after it flooded due to typhoon. They had report of a drowned person, and they were searching for the body. After an hour of searching, his colleague informed that he found a body, and few divers went to retrieve it. The water was murky, but you could still make out figures in the water. When the divers were close to retrieving the body, the search party leader told everyone to surface. Back on the ship, he explained that this body shouldn't be touched because unlike normal bodies that float on water, this one was standing in middle of water. Apparently, in Asian cultures, grim reapers can't cross over water, so people who drown must replace their spot with another person in order to pass on to afterlife. And the standing corpses are the ones that are looking for people to replace their spots. Also, these spots with standing corpses are more likely to have underwater whirlpools or currents that can trap people easily. They marked the spot and checked it every day, and retrieved the body after three days when it floated on top of the water. When I was in my early teens, I visited my dad in Pennsylvania. He had just gotten remarried and had another child, my baby sister. Anyway, I fell asleep at my new grandmother's house downstairs. This is a three-story house with a basement and an attic five floors, and I had no clue where anyone else was. I woke up downstairs on the couch around midnight in utter terror and could not explain why. I felt as if something in the shadows was watching me and I needed to get away. I ran upstairs and got into bed with my dad who never woke up. Moments pass and I feel something on my legs. I wanted to look but couldn't look. I must have been paralyzed. 
It seems like hours passed as I slowly somehow began to work my head to the side and saw one of them peeking over my father with its hands over his mouth. I received a telepathic message of some kind that he shouldn't be smoking and that something bad might happen to him because of it. I don't know if it was a threat, and these are childhood memories so it's very difficult to specifically put into words. If I had to describe these little creatures they would be like salacious crumb from Star Wars, very goblin-like, very skinny with big ears. There was a bigger one standing at the foot of the bed. I was fighting this paralysis the entire time, and I think it's this ability to fight their paralysis that made them interested in me in the first place. Anyway, I see the big one who seems to have an oval-shaped flat and purple-like head with a dark cape. The body never moves, but the head can swivel 360 like an owl or something. At first, the being was extremely interested in the books on the shelf. Paperbacks and hardbacks. Novels. For whatever reason, it was checking all these books out. There were two identical ones, one bigger than the other though, marching in place in the corner of the room. They were glowing white and looked to be very furry or luminous. Big bushy circular bodies with spindly skinny appendages. A big one and a little one both glowing, both marching in place in the corner of the room, not looking at anyone. This seems to go on forever. At some point, they migrated to the next room where my little sister was sleeping in her crib. At that point, I felt strength. I felt anger. That's what it was. You are not going to touch my sister. And I shut off the paralysis and jumped out of bed. As soon as I did that, the two beings marching in the corner went down to the floor and the light began to change in the room. I saw them march downward through the floor and then I ran into the next room. The rest looked at me and floated quickly toward the stairwell as the light from 8 a.m. in the morning brightly lit the entire house and they went down the staircase and turned into indistinguishable vapor in the morning light. Believe me when I say I was in pitch black for an endless timeless state and then it was immediately eight hours afterward. That was my first experience. It gets weirder. So after that, I went back home to Mississippi with my mom and began having nightly experiences for the next eight or nine years. I'm not going to go into those details because they were terrifying and I don't want to think about them. But eventually, I felt that the danger must be coming from the window in my room. I didn't like my room anymore. And I had witnessed too many weird things around my window late at night. So I rearranged my room and blocked up the window by putting my bed right beside it. You'd think that this wouldn't be the right move, but it made me feel safe for whatever reason. The night I did this is the one I will never ever forget for as long as I live, and I get chills just thinking about it. I woke to the back door being kicked open, and immediately I knew that our house was being robbed. I tried to stay as still as possible in my bed with my eyes just barely cracks of lashes to be able to see what was going on, but still pretend that I was sleeping. I hear a commotion in the hallway outside my room. Thinking about it now, it could not have been adult people. These were either a whole bunch of small creatures or not actually physical disturbances. It was a commotion, a torrent of motion through the hallway. And then my bedroom door slowly crept open. Standing in the doorway was a bright ball of light. When I was a child, I figured it must be a flashlight, but my memory does not agree with that. As an adult, it doesn't make sense to me. It was simply a ball of light and it moved on. I heard commotion throughout the house. I heard a struggle. I heard fighting and my family being in pain. I was too afraid to move. I wasn't exactly paralyzed. I felt like they were maybe testing me. Finally, I hear my mother calling my name and pain dragging herself across the carpet. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. I was too afraid to move to help my mother. 
but strangely, the sound of her pulling herself across the carpet never advanced. It stayed right outside my door. I felt like they wanted to lure me somehow, and I didn't understand intellectually, but instinctively I knew I should stay put. This dragging noise went on for a timeless state yet again. Then, like a switch of uplight bulb, it was morning, and I hadn't even closed my eyes. So I ran to the phone and dialed 911, but hung up immediately. My brother was asleep in his room. My mom was asleep in her room. I woke her up and asked her what happened last night. She said your brother had an asthma attack, and we left you here at home alone at midnight. So I got all into energy work and kundalini yoga, and became a Reiki master, and attempted to understand what the spiritual energy was that I have that allows me to fight their paralysis when I become angry and impassioned at them. This spiritual force that fights them was my main goal in life at that point. I needed them to stop and it worked. For a long time. I have many more stories about this intermediate period where I kept them at bay from terrorizing me, but began to have truly interesting and enlightening experiences with the UFO phenomenon. It led me to believe that there may be some good ones and some bad ones. Either that, or they don't all come from outer space so maybe goblins coming from an extra-dimensional realm beneath us. No idea, really. I'm just relating what happened. The story goes on. Even up until the present day. Would you believe me if I said I have trouble keeping ordinary jobs? I have a difficult time relating to normal people. I'm always far out and crazy. And nobody understands. I wonder why. Is it possible that I may be one of them? I am a reasonably social person. Four years ago, I was living in Pittsburgh and decided to bike to DC about 350 kilometers. There is a trail that goes and is fairly fast from civilization, especially in the West Virginia, Maryland stretch. It's a known route a lot of people do often. However, normally you'd go in a group and do it in four, six days. I went alone and was done in three. This meant leaving before sunrise and finishing after sunset every day pedaling to no end and having no one to talk to. By the end of day two, I started hearing voices. Not random amorphous voices you normally have in your head. Voices belonging to specific people in my life. They were saying things consistent with those people's personalities, and we had long conversations about a whole host of things. Most interestingly, I was aware that this was all happening in my head the entire time, but had no way to turn it off. It all went away once I had a good night's sleep and a real meal but it was a very interesting experience. I imagine this is what schizophrenia feels like, minus the awareness that the voices are not real. It was a wild night, one that I'll never forget. The date was September 1, 2020. I live in Naperville, Illinois. I was headed back home on a public bus. I believe it was a pace and I was pretty much alone. Just me and the bus driver and one or two other people. That in and of itself was strange, but I'm not sure that was related. Anyways, I board the bus and the bus driver is stopping off at plenty of locations. We arrive at one where there's little to no light around it. No street lamps, no houses or buildings, no nothing. The only thing illuminating the scene was the dim light inside the bus and the headlights. The bus driver opened the doors and nobody budges. But as the bus driver began to close the doors, we heard these really heavy footsteps come out of nowhere. Then I heard the most god-awful sound I have ever heard. It wasn't quite screaming, it wasn't singing, but it sounded angry. The bus driver began to open the doors again for the thing to the board. But as soon as it came into eyesight, nobody wanted that. That thing. To board this bus. 
The driver shut the doors as quickly as he could, and this creature became infuriated. It was wearing women's clothing, an orange shirt, and an orange hat with some shorts. It had been hot here. But that thing was not like any woman I've ever seen. I don't even know how to describe it. It could have the power to shapeshift if that's a thing. This thing, it was a she, or at least wanted to appear so, began pounding on the bus doors, howling its angry, screaming song. It went on for a long time. The bus driver was clearly in shock and confused and downright scared, as he should be. Hell, I was scared too. I don't think any of us knew what to do. And at the same time, we weren't sure if this thing would follow us. If we did let the creature in, would it harm us? Kill us even? Would it chase after us if we didn't? If we called the police and it left, would they even believe us? It wasn't any kind of cryptid like Bigfoot or the Chupacabra. Was it an extraterrestrial life form? It is an experience I will not forget ever in my life. The first thing I did when I arrived home was look up anything similar to no avail. So after these three years, I decided to report it. I know that you have been involved with the Chicago Mothman sightings investigation, but is it possible that this thing is related? It happened again late one night in September 2018. I live in Northeast Pennsylvania. I've been an experiencer for most of my life. They made no attempt to show up quietly either. There was an electrical storm and I've seen craft hanging around those. So when one of these storms with no rain was hanging out directly over the house for a while, I knew they were coming. They took out the lights first and I tried not to be scared. I'm tired of being scared so I asked how to make the fear go away. I tried to go about my evening routine. Then there was some sort of hissing at the front door. Was I imagining it? No, that is definitely for me. So I got mad. You have to honor free will. You can't take me against my will, I repeated many times. Now though, I think this was my opportunity to cooperate had I let them in. I wish I had the courage to do this so I could learn what they're doing. The hissing stopped when I refused to open the door. Storm got angrier, so I went to bed. I kept repeating variations of the free will thing for a while, not happy that they clearly had other plans. Then I called my sister to attempt to wait them out, talked with her for a while, then tried to go to sleep since by now the power was back. I told them I need my alarm for work, thought they might move on, still wide awake, but I can't sleep. My cat starts weirdly slinking off the bed like he's stalking. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Something in the corner of the room, but very slowly. So I sit up to see what he's watching. The blue light from one of their freaking wands blinks off. I could see it under the door when I sat up. The cat calmed down and returned to his spot. Apparently, they don't just control us in our sleep. I called my sister again. Now I'm really upset. She tells me to come over. It's too late, even if I wanted to. They are determined. So I resign myself to my fate and go to sleep. I have to get up in four hours by now. 
They must be trying to take my soul again like they did the only other time I remember seeing the stick with the blue diode at the end because I had a brief out-of-body experience. The last time I saw it, one of the few times I remember anything at all, they were trying to teach us how to leave our bodies. But by teach, I mean they rip you out forcefully to get you used to the feeling. Empathy is not a thing the gray being have, I guess. But I don't think it's them. I think what runs the show are the reptilians. I sat up in bed from sudden pain, it shocked me awake. But then the pain from my arm falling asleep in my body pulled at my soul, and my actual body sat up to absorb the soul. I watched myself sit up into myself. Kind of cool. Then they knocked me out I guess because I was out immediately afterward. I had personal enlightenment recently, where I felt the fire of the chakra alignment send this new energy up my spine. It's a more intense ability to connect to the universe I haven't had before. I can literally feel it now when I tap in to talk to the universe. It's like tingles up my vertebrae. I have a very strong feeling their sudden intensity was because of this. They've never been so obvious before. Clearly, I needed to be studied immediately. But they don't want the body. They only want the soul. Them and that damn stick. I think I might have a soul contract with them I need to figure out how to get out of. I had a hypnotic regression done a few weeks after that incident. It was very disappointing because my questions were not answered. The encounters have been less severe since then. I'm just hoping that it eventually stops. My father and I were in Dulce, New Mexico. I've lived in New Mexico since 2000, but have never been to this town, despite it having quite the history in cattle mutilations, etc. As we were inside the grocery store, there were two very strange-looking teens wandering around, almost like brother and sister. The younger boy was about 11 and had his hair slicked like alfalfa from the little rascals, and the teen girl was wearing dark black sunglasses indoors the whole time. Upon leaving the store, another family was coming in a white, engineering-type nerdy government lab-looking type with a Native American woman, along with their four children. There was a baby in the basket covered with a blanket, a two-year-old, and what looked like four- and seven-year-old girls. The combination of the nerdy engineering-type white guy with his native-looking wife in such an insular community seemed strange to me for this area. Then there were the children, whose skin was much, much darker than that of what I assumed to be their Native American mother. The two girls stopped short of me as I was coming out of the grocery store entrance. The way they looked at me almost animal-like in curiosity, with silent gazes and their heads cocked inquisitively, almost like a curious puppy dog, with what seemed to be extremely dark black, very reflective, glistening eyes. Three experiences at the same place. About two hours from Phoenix, there's a petroglyph mound. It's well documented and all that, no secret, in a very cool place. One day I rented a fun car and went for a drive through the desert. I saw the landmark sign for the site from the highway and decided to go take a look. Nothing particularly weird happened, although there was definitely an energy feel about the place. I don't know how else to describe the experience other than to say the place had energy and you could perceive it. Now at the time I carried two cell phones, one for work and one personal. I was taking pictures with each and texting them to people, and I happened to notice that with the Verizon phone, as I got closer I got to the mound, my signal would fade. Right up next to the rocks, no signal. Fifty yards away, full signal. The AT and T phone wasn't affected at all. In addition to the energy feeling, I had the sense that I was trespassing, but because I was being quiet and respectful, my presence was being tolerated. 
After a while, I knew it was time to leave. Nobody else was there the whole time I was, but as I was driving out, somebody else passed me on the way in. It felt like the place didn't want more than one person there at a time. Second time I went, I took my parents when they were in town visiting. There were a bunch of other people there too walking around. The energy feel wasn't there, like it was hiding with so many people in the area. Fast forward several years, and there's a meteor shower supposed to happen this particular night. My girlfriend and I both wanted to see it, and I knew from being out there during the daytime that it would be truly pitch dark black at night, and that there was a good parking lot to set up some chairs and watch the meteorites. So we do that, and we'd been chilling for about five minutes when we both get that, somebody is watching me, feeling very intensely, and at the same time. We both shined our flashlights around in a circle a few times and didn't see anybody. We figured that we were just spooking ourselves out and sat back down for a few minutes. But the feeling got way stronger, like this amped up electric danger, get out now, instinctual fear feeling. We threw our chairs in the car and unasked that place as quickly as we could. Once we got back to the main road, we were asking each other, did you feel that too or am I just being crazy? Questions and we both had the same exact feeling. So it's completely possible that we were just being weenies and scared each other. It's also possible that I was projecting some kind of respect the sacred Indian land, feeling onto the place from my first experience. But in my heart, I don't think so. Either something didn't want us there that night or somebody was about to hurt us, and we were being warned to leave before that happened. I just got goosebumps on my arms and legs from thinking about it. At the end, my hypothesis was that there is something unique or powerful about that site, and whatever that has also caused the Indians to choose it for their purposes. I and my wife used to travel to New Hampshire from Massachusetts to buy cigarettes once a month. Anyway, on this day we decided to drive from the cigarette store to Brattleboro, Vermont along this long winding route that went through some woodsy areas. We were about halfway along this route when we crested the top of a hill and I had to take a leak. It just so happened there was a pull-off area just under some high-tension power lines and what looked like a dirt access road for service trucks for the lines. I didn't pull into the road but did park in the pull-off. I walked about 40 feet or so into the woods to not be seen by anyone passing on the main road and started to do my business. Then, all of a sudden, I heard something falling from or tearing through the tree branches. It startled the heck out of me. My first thought was a maybe a rotted limb had broke loose and was falling from one of the tall trees. Then I heard the thump. I was horrified to see a boulder about the size of a basketball slam into the ground about 10 feet from me. My first thought was maybe I was trespassing and someone was trying to scare me off. I yelled, hey, knock it off with the rocks. No sooner did I get that out of my mouth when I heard the branches sound again from the same direction, and this time I could see the branches waving and bending as another boulder was heading my way. I zipped up and beat feet back to my car as I had my two-year-old son and wife in the car with the top down. I quickly got in and tore out of there as my first thought was for the safety of them as well as myself. My wife was asking what was all that noise and who were you yelling at? All I could reply was that some jerk was throwing rocks at me. That's when it all really hit me these weren't your normal sized rocks that anybody could just throw. Not to mention that they were tearing through the tops of 50 to 80 foot maple and oak trees from a long way off. When this reality hit me I felt dizzy and dazed as to the danger I was truly in and who or what could do that. I got to tell you I spent years pondering and replaying that in my head, never coming up with a logical reason. 
I even went back to the place years later to see if maybe there was a hill or ledge where those boulders could have fallen. But nope, nothing nor any property or dwellings anywhere near, just those power lines with the rutted road beneath them. It wasn't until I was watching TV in 2015 while I was laid up with shingles and the continuous YouTube that I saw some guys in Canada had a similar thing happen while fishing on a lake. The only difference is they saw what was hurling the boulders, an 11 to 12 foot hairy creature. So I do believe I had a Bigfoot experience. I got a very unbelievable story to tell you. I don't know if you're familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch over here in Utah. I have a close relative that is pretty much the UFO guy in that area. He's been telling me these stories ever since I was a little kid. I've been out to that ranch several times and I was out there in the spring 2013 and nothing happened. We went around the ranch areas and nothing happened. We went home and on a Saturday night, something did happen, which I later found out through my UFO relative. There were some Ute native kids driving in a tall truck about eight feet high and they went up to the gate of this UFO ranch. They said that they saw an orb of light appearing in the window off or above the gate, and I guess they turned on their lights or they turned on their engine because they got scared. Then it had an even brighter light and it went over their truck and these kids. Well, something hit their truck. These kids got scared so they went down the road to the main road and they got out which is, I'm guessing, about three quarters of a mile. They got out to look at the damage done to this truck and for some reason the driver decided to be the passenger and then the passenger was the driver. Apparently, there are some girls with them in this truck. Well, once they got back in the truck, this is where it gets very unbelievable. A creature grabbed this kid, who was the driver and now the passenger, and pulled him out of the truck. It threw him around like a rag doll, bit him on the butt several times and clawed him. Long story short, somehow this kid got back in the truck and one of the kids took a picture of this creature, no image provided. They got scared. They were able to get back in their truck, drove down the road, and talked to the Ute Indian police because it's a Ute reservation over there. The Ute Indian police say there's nothing we can do about it because they're very well aware of the Skinwalker Ranch. So the next day, which would be Sunday, they contacted my UFO relative, and he went down there to investigate. Meanwhile, there was a shaman's wife and the shaman was there blessing the kids that were involved in this. My UFO relative said that he saw the picture on his cell phone of this creature. He also saw the damage done to the truck. There was also a scratch into the truck die, and he also saw the damage done to this kid and the bite marks. Now that was very unbelievable for me to hear. The crazy thing about it is, a few months ago, I work at a hospital, and one of my patients was actually the shaman's wife. She was the one that was also there at that time when my relative was there to investigate. She told me exactly what my relative said, but in greater detail. The creature that she described, and also my relative said, had to be a tall creature because he would hold this kid out of this window. That's the eight-foot-tall truck, and this creature had horns. It had red hair. It had a human-like face, but the mouth was distorted, and it came out kind of like a wolf. It had claws, and it had wings. So my question is to you, and I ask my UFO relative, is this the skinwalker? And he goes, no, this is something totally different. And I asked also the shaman's wife, and she agreed that it was something totally different. I've had a few paranormal experiences throughout my life, but the strangest and most unbelievable was what I know I used to see as a teenager. A gnome. It wouldn't have even been as tall as my knee, probably halfway up my shin. 
It had a red hat and a white beard. He was a typical garden gnome, only he wasn't a statue. I saw him at least a dozen times through our living room window, frolicking about in the garden and along the windowsill outside. I'd sometimes even see his silhouette through the blinds if they were closed on a sunny day. My parents, obviously, always brushed it off as silly crap kids say when I told them what I saw. Oh, don't be silly, or Awa, did you? They never paid it any attention, and why would they? I even remember my father saying something to Mum like, We don't even have a garden known. And she responded that it was just an active imagination. I lived there until I was about 18 or 19, and I don't even think anyone in our street owned garden gnomes at all. It never even once looked at me like he didn't know I was watching or perhaps didn't care. The last time I saw him was about 20 years ago. I'd never spoken about it to anyone but my mother and sister during my adult life, else I'd probably be admitted to a mental health ward. When I asked mum, she still remembers me talking about him when I was little. Most people reading will probably think what a load, but I promise this is true. Was he real? Or possibly a fabricated memory of some kind? Why would my mind make me remember fake stuff? Has anyone else ever seen one? This happened in the western suburbs of Sydney, Australia. I spent a lot of time in Africa both on business and for pleasure. One time there were about eight of us that went camping in a national park in Zambia. I was with a friend and the other six I did not know. There were two other couples and two single females. We spent the afternoon getting to know each other and pitching our tents, had our dinner and retired to our tents for sleep. Around 3 a.m. in the morning, I hear the two females freaking out. There was screaming like I have never heard before. To be honest, I was shitting myself. I thought some animal was attacking them. My adrenaline was pumping like crazy. I always remember hearing that when people are screaming they're okay, it's generally the quiet ones that you should worry about. So I got my torch and found the courage to open up my tent. At this point the screaming was continuing, and I could now hear scratching noises. The other members of the group were remaining very quiet. I am sure they were just dry-mouthed and did not want to bring attention to their tents. I slowly opened the tent and shone the torch in the direction of the girl's tent, and I saw two hyenas walking around the tent. I know that generally hyenas are generally timid creatures around humans, but they have been known to attack and kill people in rare circumstances. By this time the guide was out of his tent and simply shouted at the hyenas and they ran off. One of the golden rules of camping in the domain of wild animals is not to keep any food around. Always keep food in sealed containers and make sure everything is clean and washed properly. It turned out that one of the girls has some biltong dried meat in the tent and the hyenas has smelt it and were trying to get at it. This happened quite a time ago, but remember the encounter very well. My mom sent me next door to my grandma's to get something for her when the whole time felt like I was being watched and looked over my shoulder several times. Now the distance between my house and my grandma's was long enough. Where once I reached my grandma's, my home was not visible. The sighting occurred on my way back home I was about halfway when I saw the creature. It was making a lot of noise and came crashing out of the tree line, breaking a huge tree branch. Then it began to run toward me. I remember thinking this can't be happening. I felt like my legs would not move out of fear. It all was in a time span of five to ten seconds. I then ran the rest of the way home, and I tell you I have never ran so fast. The next day I took my mom to the site where the creature had come out of the trees and showed her the tree branch. 
Lots of people I know do not believe in Bigfoot, so I normally would shy away from telling my story. I do know for a fact that what I saw was indeed Bigfoot. Okay, so I'll try to make this relatively short, so I'm not one for believing too much of cryptid lore. Never had an encounter before or anything like that. But my partner and I live on the border of upstate New York, not far from the Whitehall Bigfoot area. One night partner was taking out the garbage and came back inside startled, I mean really shook up. They said they had seen a creature that looked like maybe a fox or coyote, but that it then stood up on its hind legs and so they booked it back inside. Fast forward about a month and I'm outside on my porch, smoking a cigarette, enjoying the stars under a crystal clear sky. We have a small plot next to our house that has a tow-behind landscaping trailer permanently parked on it about 20-ish feet away from the house. After a while of standing outside, I get the sudden and intense feeling like something is watching me, just that primal feeling of danger. It should be noted that, like most people up here, I'm usually carrying a gun on me. Coyotes and bears are fairly common up here, so I kind of do the four corners check of my surroundings. When I looked over to that trailer, I saw there was something the size of a large dog laying in the grass. Mind you, it's a clear night with a not quite full moon, and the grass was uncut long, but not like a meadow. If I had to estimate, I'd say seven, nine inches high. So I had a really good view of this thing. Now I know never to approach a random animal bedded down at night. So I just kind of watch it for a second. Even in the light of the moon, its outline and coat were pitch black blacker than anything I've seen before, unnaturally contrasting against the ground it laid on. Then it looks up, it has piercing red eyes. I'm thinking, oh what the F, and put my hand on my revolver. I ain't about to be coyote food. And then, it stood up. It stood up on its hind legs. The only way I can describe the legs of it is like that goat-human hybrid from the Narnia movie, but with the torso like a hybrid of man and canine. It was taller than me, and I'm six foot one, it didn't even need to take a step. I flicked whatever was left of my cigarette and backed away to the door, locked and bolted it, and spent the rest of the night wondering what I just saw. Now I'll admit I'm a religious man, but that thing didn't fit the description of any gin I've heard of. It's to this day one of the few things in my life I cannot explain we've installed security cameras since but now the lot is under construction, and we haven't seen it since. I don't know what I saw that night, truly, but I intend to find out one way or another. I want to go into the forest near the plot and look for signs. Does anyone have any advice on hunting this sort of cryptid? I'll update with any further happenings should they appear again. My brother and his friends were on the highway one night. It was Highway 73 South in Quebec, Canada, and basically my brother saw what looked like a tall, white pale humanoid near the woods on the side of the road. He also said it was abnormally tall and walking on two legs. At first he didn't think much of it, thinking he was the only one who saw it, and he believed he might have been seeing things due to his tiredness. Until one of his friends who was driving screamed, WTF was that? All four of them saw it. They all described the same thing. I believe it might have been a skinwalker. Thoughts? <laughs>